Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The mistake I made was leaving me sip open on me pants. <laughs> Hi guys, it's Jimmy Doherty here and welcome to another episode of On Jimmy's Farm. Now I've just come down into the gardens here. We've got some lovely herb gardens and vegetable gardens just by our wedding marquee and everything is springing into life. It's the most beautiful day. It's blue skies, the sun is out. I can hear an aeroplane in the distance circling around, birds are in the sky, there's loads of activity on the farm, not only in terms of animals, the lambs are about to be born, we've got calves being born, but also lots of building work going on. We're building so many new enclosures, uh, you might hear some of the hammering in the background, and I think we've got some antelope turning up next week, which will be really exciting. But I've come down to a corner of the garden where we keep our bees. I've just crouched down by the hive here, they're flying in and out and they're visiting the early flowers here. You can always tell where, when spring has sprung because these little guys become super active. Oh, here we go. Look, they're coming back to the forwards now. Let's see if we can hear them. Come on, bees. See, the workers are just coming back from the flowers just collecting nectar and you can see the pollen on the back of their legs look and one's just landed on my knee hello of course all the workers are girls they're all sisters there you go in you go who doesn't love bees well today's episode is all about bees about honeybees but also uh, wild bees and i've got two guests which is super exciting i've got anne robbery who's president of the british beekeeping association and basically she's queen bee she knows so much about beekeeping. She's got loads of advice on how to get into beekeeping, how we can protect bees and how we can all do our part, you know, in terms of planting flowers in the garden and really appreciating these amazing insects. Now, my second guest is also a beekeeper, but you probably wouldn't associate him with beekeeping at all. And that is Bez from the Happy Mondays. Yeah, that is right. He is a beekeeper. Now, I grew up listening to the Happy Mondays and watching Bez is amazing dancing. He probably does a waggle dance, actually. But Bez is so interesting. You're going to love this episode. He talks about all aspects of beekeeping, getting close to nature, all that kind of stuff, being stung. I mean, he's been stung so many times. He ended up with bees down his trousers once when he couldn't work out how to put on his bee suit properly. But the most amazing thing he was talking about 
was something he's come up with. He's got some Viagra honey. Yeah, that's right, Viagra honey. And I did ask him, well, what do you do? Do you, do you eat it or do you rub it on? So enjoy the episode. I think you're going to like it. Bez is remarkable and so is Anne. And we've got to protect our bees. So enjoy and I'll see you back here at the hive. Hello, Anne. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. I'm sitting here in the middle of Bath and I'm feeling great because the bees are starting to fly. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. It's always a nice time when you see the bees active because all of a sudden you think, actually, the good weather is on its way. Absolutely. Yeah, bees are fantastic. They really can know what's going to happen with the weather. I find them absolutely amazing. Yeah, they're like a natural barometer, aren't they? They know what's going on way before we do when it comes to the weather. But tell me about your connection with the British Beekeeping Association. Well, my beekeeping career is quite short because I used to work for a charity called Sendercow and I I suddenly had more time on my hands because I wasn't doing a full-time job and I'd always loved bees. So I decided to get some hives. So that was about... 15, 16 years ago, and I joined the British Beekeeping Association and went along to a beginner's group, as I suggest everybody does, and I thought it was fascinating. So I couldn't wait to get a hive. So went to their AGM, somebody was giving up beekeeping, got two hives, had them put in my garden, and I had a book, and it was Bees and Honey by Ted Hooper. Amazingly, I looked in the book, thought, oh, yes, this is fine. And I had a little bit of an insight into a hive, but not a lot. And I suddenly found that the I didn't have any drones in my hive. I was really worried. So I went back and I asked some of the older beekeepers who laughed their heads off and said, no, it's November. The drones or the male bees all get driven out in about September. They're no good over the winter, so nobody wants to feed them. They get rid of them, and the queen will lay more next year. So uh, that was quite an interesting introduction. What about you, Jimmy? How have you got involved in bees? An interesting sideline, I suppose, is the fact that when I started the farm, it was all about rare breed pigs, and then we got cattle and poultry and all that kind of stuff. But I've, I've always been fascinated by the natural world and particularly insects, and I read for a PhD in entomology. But there was a a lovely guy that just turned up at the farm and wanted to sell us some honey. And Barry was a lovely gentleman, wonderful silver hair, softly spoken, and had a car full of smoke and bees (laughs) flying around, and it just smelt of furniture polish. It was just divine. He put some hives on the farm, and then he poured me a couple of glasses of mead, and I can't remember anything else. (laughs) But it's always been a fascination, and... I'm fascinated by honeybees, but I'm fascinated by wild bees. I had the privilege of going to Nepal and collecting honey from the giant honeybee of of Nepal, which builds its honeycombs off the side of it, off the cliff, which was remarkable. But I think in terms of farming is the understanding of how important bees are, not only to farming systems, but also to the natural system. For you, what important roles or what essential roles do bees play in our everyday life? I think it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, bees are part of the system. They're quite a big part in the pollination system of all the crops that we grow. But we mustn't lose sight of the job that the solitary bees do. And we have about 
nine species now of solitary bees are really under threat. There's only about 200 species of uh, solitary bees. We've got about, I think it's 270 species of bees in all in the UK, one species of honeybee, about 26, 27, my maths is a bit astray, of bumblebees. And I think that the honeybees obviously can get out early, pollinate crops early because they overwinter and they overwinter as a colony. So that makes a huge difference on the impact they can have pollinating flowers round about. And flowers, as we know, have become more and more colourful in lots of reasons for that, but one of the main ones is attracting the bees. And through that, the bees have become a vital part to our economy. If you look at the rest of the world, there are millions of pounds spent on producing honey. And honey is a, it's fantastic. It's the only food, actually, that insects do actually produce for us. But it's also quite interesting that it has so many good qualities that we don't recognise and we still don't know enough. Medically, yes, it was begun to be used. I think it was World War Two where they were using it on wounds. It's now a regular part of surgery in our hospitals using honey to help facilitate sort of healing and things. And I think there's so much we don't know about bees. It's remarkable. I remember talking to a chap in Nottingham and he was producing bandages. And the reason they produce bandages in, in Nottingham is because that's the traditional home of the lace yes. makers. And so when lace sort of mm. that industry disappeared, they turned their hand to making bandages. And he was using Manuka honey and he went to lots of different hospitals and he was saying, could you give this a go? Could you give it a try? And all the hospitals said, no, you're talking nonsense, putting honey on bandages. Are you crazy? But one hospital said, we'll try it. And now I think something like 95% of hospitals will use Manuka honey or, or infused bandages. And I've seen it used in veterinary practices in Scotland on horses yes. as well, which there's no placebo effect, no. is there, really? And it is remarkable, but, but the idea of us you know, not knowing the full extent of the potential for honey. And also when I say to children, bees were around before the dinosaurs and kids love dinosaurs, but these guys were around before the dinosaurs. They saw them come and yes. go and they're still here. You know, it's incredible. I think it is amazing. Just one thing you were sort of talking about, the Manuka honey being used. They're now realising that actually a lot of honey is very, very useful and valuable and one of our honeys, the ivy honey, they're finding a lot of properties within that, which they're using medically as well. Manuka honey may have a marginal advantage, but a lot of honeys have that, the properties that can make a huge difference to treatments. And we all know, I mean, how many of us have, since we were little kids, actually had honey and lemon when we've had sore throats and things? And no real justification for it when I was a child it was just something that happened that you had honey and lemon I mean then we thought oh lemon yes vitamin c that's good and probably weren't recognizing all the properties that the honey had but what we do need Jimmy is desperately more flowers and wildflowers particularly for our honeybees and for all our bees. It's the forage that we're desperate for. That's what they need. How do you manage your farm in terms of having wild areas or planting wild seeds or having a verge around the edge with wild flowers? Is that a possibility? That's interesting, Anne. Here at the farm, we're, we're very conscious about trying to provide habitats, not just for bees, but for all insects and other animals as well. So what we try to do at the farm is 
basically let nature take its course. So we're not one for tidying up areas or banishing all weeds and all that kind of stuff. In fact, pigs are very good at producing weeds because they turn the ground over so much. They create an amazing seedbed for things like thistles. Most farmers would try and get rid of most of their thistles, particularly on pasture, because it competes with the grazing of the cattle. But we leave it. We let it flower and the bees love it. So do the butterflies and also the birds. I mean, the goldfinches absolutely love the seed heads. And then in the woodland, for example, we've just had those massive storms, lots of trees blown over. Where it doesn't get in the way of the general public, we leave the fallen trees because it's great for things like longhorns and stag beetles, but also it provides sort of nesting grounds where you've got these big hollowed out logs for bees. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Obviously, you're an entomologist by realising all the different habitats that are needed and the interaction between all the insects and the birds and how to attract things into your land. It sounds absolutely fabulous. But what about the bees themselves, Jimmy? Have you sort of done very much with them yourself? So, yeah, I've had practical experience with with the bees, and I very much love peering in because it's like looking into a totally alien world, and you are always left awestruck once you look into a colony of bees, because the organisation that goes on is incredible and there's not a word spoken, you know, there's, no, there's no signalling or anything, and it's always incredible to see. But the thing I really love is tasting the honey throughout the season. And I did a show for the BBC about the bees in Nepal, and during that filming, we arranged a whole array of different honey from right at the beginning of the season, where you've got the sweet chestnut, and you've got the rape all the way to the final flowers of ivy throughout the end of the season. And tasting the difference between the changing season was incredible because, you know, people think honey is just honey, but it's not. It is so diverse in taste and profile, not only throughout the seasons, but through different regions of the country. I always find it incredible. But working with the bees, I, I was taught very early on that you have to be very, very calm. And there's something that you get more from keeping bees that's beyond honey. There's something that's quite restful for the soul. And I get it when I watch my cows or when I'm feeding the fish in the pond. And I get it if I'm working around a hive because it forces you to slow down, be calm and be considerate. I think that's absolutely key to actually beekeeping. I find when I go to my bees, I usually go into the apiary and just spend 10 minutes sitting down watching them. You're right, it takes the rest of the world away. You're concentrating on what your bees are doing, you're watching them, and they are fascinating, the way in which they're sort of coming and going. And the pollen sacs on their back legs, as you know, all different colours going into the hive, feeding into the different honeys you get. And I, I think sometimes people, as you've mentioned, aren't aware that honey changes during the season according to what the bees are actually collecting. And that's, I suppose, one of the skills that we teach at BBKA is actually reading the hive to see what the bees actually need. Because out in the spring, yes, they're coming out, they're feeding, and they're on all our spring uh, bulbs and our early spring flowers, our snowdrops, our crocuses, hellebores. But then, as the summer goes on, sometimes... There can be a time when either the weather changes or sometimes it gets very dry and there's not very much nectar around. And that's where the beekeepers need to intervene 
and feed their bees. Otherwise, they can lose the hives, even in the summer. Right, yeah. I tend to think of bees being lost in the winter, but it's a very important thing that you look at what the bees have got through the complete season that they fly so they can build their stores up. The honeybee have beekeepers to look after them. But we are seeing declines in not only honeybee populations, but also wild bee populations. What are the big threats? What's the cause of their decline? Well, I think climate is one. And we're seeing that particularly probably with some of the bumblebees and some of the solitary bees and the butterflies, of course. But the other big one is the pesticides. And I know that, you know, some farmers are very careful how they use pesticides And there are occasions when they may be needed. I would love to get to the point where they're not needed at all. And I think some farmers have actually achieved that or they've reduced their amount. But basically, the pesticide buildup within wildflowers and things around the edges of the crops that are sprayed, it's not just the spraying that kills the bees. It's the buildup of the uh, pesticides within them. Yeah. And I really support research going into farmers being able to use systems that don't need pesticides and just looking at, I think it's not just the use of pesticides, but it's use of the cocktail of pesticides that are used, which is really devastating our land. Having said that, if I may move away from farmers just for a moment, the concreting over of front gardens, the amount of traffic is really cutting down any forage for bees in towns. Our poor little solitary bees that like going into lawns or on earth banks really struggle to find places that they can go because we're building so much without building in areas for them. And it's really trying to raise that awareness. We desperately need our solitary bees. They're probably the primary pollinator. Honeybees are great on crops. Bumblebees are great on the, the things that they, they pollinate, and I know they help a lot with strawberries and things, but we desperately need our solitary bees, and we need to be providing for them, not just in the countryside, but in the sort of built-up villages and in our towns as well. And Anne, also, it's not just the food that they help pollinate for us, is they're pollinating food for so much of other species of wildlife. There's a whole plethora of animals dependent on the fruits, the hedgerow fruits, the bees help pollinate. Yes, again, and I know you're very aware of it, but one of the things gardening and some farmers like to do is cut back things to make them look tidy. And really, that's one of the worst things you can do for all the little insects and birds overwintering. Because if the plants aren't pollinated, there's no seeds, as you said, for the little finches and blue tits and things that are flying around, won't get all the little aphids sitting on the plant. And we won't have all those berries that they feed on during the cold winter months. Absolutely essential that we remember that the bees are part of a chain. And if we want to see colourful birds around and we want to see a pleasant environment, we've got to consider the whole chain that goes on honeybees and solitary bees and bumblebees and our butterflies are all part of that. So are, you know, a lot of other flies and insects. We mustn't forget that they provide food for that avian population, really. Mm. And I suppose one thing that bees have got going for them is that they are popular. 
people love bees. People love to see bumblebees. I mean, you, don't, you can't really see any of that about earwigs, for example, or cockroaches. So people have got a, you know, a fond connection with bees. They are fascinating, as you said. Talk about bees. Talk about what they need. They need an environment which allows them to do the job of collecting honey and pollen, nectar. And I think the other thing they collect is propolis, and we're only just beginning to find out what the medical use of propolis is as well. Explain what propolis is, Anne, because it is a fascinating compound that the bees produce. Yes. Well, they don't actually produce it. They collect it. And it's collected from plants and mainly trees as a resin. I expect we have all know about horse chestnut trees. When their seeds are setting, it's that sticky substance on the outside. The bees collect it. Bees have specialist jobs in their hives. Some of them collect pollen. Some collect water. Some collect nectar. They might interchange a bit, but the one that often doesn't change is propolis. That resin is collected. They go and bite it off the plants or the trees and they glue it to their back legs. It just sticks naturally. It's a bit like putting your hand in a jar of treacle and then trying to get the treacle off your hands or probably worse than that. And they go back to their hive. Now, it is so glued onto their back legs. The poor things can't get it off themselves. So they have to beg all their other workers inside that hive. And they go to them and they literally rip it off with their mouths and use it around the hive to actually stop up any gaps, to line cells. And they will, if they're wild bee colonies, they line the whole of their nest area with propolis because it's got antibacterial properties and it will help them ward off things like disease. So it's got a lot of things that the bees actually use it for themselves. And I think we're only just beginning to learn about it. We've always known that we can produce varnish out of it and varnish our violins and musical instruments. But there's so much more that we can actually use. It's just the tip of the iceberg. But it, it seems to me since lockdown, beekeeping has become more and more popular. And you're seeing lots of celebrity beekeepers now. I mean, everyone from newsreaders to rock stars like Bez from the Happy Mondays are all celebrating keeping bees. So if people want to start keeping bees, what's the best way to go about it? Well, I think you're right. number of beekeepers has gone up and people are interested in them, which is great. The first step is to find out where the nearest bee club is and join it. And BBKA has clubs all over the country. If you look on our website, bbka.org.uk, you can actually find out where the clubs are, visit them, and ask if you can either join what they call a taster day or you can go and look at a hive. And they'll give you the suits to wear and they'll go through a hive, show you what the bees are like. And the first thing is you need to be comfortable with a couple of thousand insects flying and buzzing around you. Some people aren't and beekeeper isn't from them. It's best to find that out to start with. The second thing is join a club which runs basic course or a beginner's course Learn about bees, learn about their life cycle, how to treat them, and the way in which the hive builds up. So when you get your bees, you'll be able to understand what is going on in the hive. Also, by joining the club, you will get access to a lot of knowledge and also equipment. Quite often, 
beaklers will supply beginners with nucleus. That's a very small hive. It's like half-sized hive, if you like, which is a brilliant way to start because it's not so intimidating as having 40 or 50,000 bees coming out of a hive when you're actually uh, looking through it as a beginner and learning how to treat them. And as you said right at the beginning, Jimmy, treating bees calmly and treating them gently is the key to not being stung. The other thing you need to do is get stung because you do need to find out whether you are allergic to a bee sting. That's fairly important. There are medical things that can help you get over the fact that you're allergic. But if you go through a club, you get experienced beekeepers mentoring you or helping you. You can build up your beekeeping skills and you can also go onto the BBKA website to find out what the modules are. Look at our correspondence courses, courses that you can do at home in the winter, theory courses telling you more about bees. If you want to go down the exam system, it's a very good exam system there. But it's a process of finding out knowledge before you get your bees. Otherwise, you end up with a colony at the end of the garden, which you don't go near because they're too difficult to handle. And the other big thing, Jimmy, if I may push it, please, is when you handle bees, use thin nitrile gloves. That is what you need to be wearing. So you can feel the frames as you pick them up. And you can almost, you feel it. The bees will walk over your hand. And as long as you're calm with them, bees don't want to sting you. They just want to get on with what they're doing. And they're fascinating. And it seems to me, Anne, is that once you make that connection with bees, is the start of a lifelong love affair. (laughs) You're absolutely right. I started off, as I said, about 17, 15, 17 years ago. And I had two hives. within. Five years, I got about 10 hives. Then it went up to 30 hives. They were so fascinating. And it's addictive, I warn you, if you actually get into beekeeping. They draw you in and you're so fascinated. Before you know what's happening, you're actually totally immersed. And a lot of your time is directed towards bees beekeeping and finding out how wonderful they are, even to the extent of actually maybe buying a microscope looking down the microscope and seeing what the pollen looks like under a microscope. Absolutely fantastic. So, Anne, I would just like to say a massive thank you. It has been totally fascinating. And let's hope that we can really get together and help save the bees. That would be fantastic. And thank you for the opportunity for me sharing with you. All the best. Thank you. So that was the lovely Anne. She's president of the BBKA, which is the British Beekeepers Association. Loads of great info there. Now stay tuned, because coming up, I've got my chat with Bez from the Happy Mondays. Got to say, it's a totally different beekeeping chat, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes, Jimmy, how are you, mate? I'm all right. This is really exciting because last time I saw you, you were on the farm performing at my festival. Yeah, no, what a great day that was as well. It was good. And we had a good old chat about all things wildlife, particularly bees, and also organic cider. You like a drop of organic cider, don't you? Yeah, well, I've not been on the ball as, as I usually am because I've been quite busy this year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I keep bees. I, I love a bit of organic cider. I've got about, I think it's about 18 apple trees in my garden. I've Have got uh, two peri pear trees as well, 100-year-old peri pear trees, so I'm quite lucky. When I'm talking to you, you know, you think about the Happy Mondays and all that music scene coming out of Manchester, those hedonistic years and everything else, and then talking to you now about, you know, making cider, growing apples, having pear trees... Often people wouldn't associate you with this way of life, but you absolutely love it, don't you? Yeah, well, it all started when I you know, thought I was going to fight the revolution and all that, and I decided the fight, it's not like just fight, it, the fight is uh, in everything you do, you know what I mean, health. I realised that, you no, know, the fight's also in, in your food production as well, and I realised that one of the things what I do uh, every day for the last seven years now is I juice every day, I do the apple cider, the vinegar every day. I take vitamin C through, throughout the winter months every day. Well, look, I want to talk to you a bit about the bees and the beekeeping side of it. How did you get into beekeeping? What sort of got you into it? When my granddad came back from the war, what he came back home with was two huge tins of honey. This is World War II. He, he was in Africa and Italy. My love for honey came from my granddad, and we used to have honey in everything, my tea, my cereals. And uh, one day I got a chance to access the land, and one of the things they asked is that, because I've always wanted to do it, is would it be okay if I started keeping bees? And about, it's about seven, seven, eight years ago now, I started beekeeping. It's incredible. And one of the things I was doing as well, I was putting bees into schools, and I managed to get, I was paying for bee suits for all the kids. And I was setting them up with the hive and everything. And then I got hit with a health and safety form about that oh, thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, I just don't do health and safety. But the <laughs> thing with bees is uh, if you don't bother the bees, they won't bother you. Yeah. If you've got the beehive and the entrance, you know, it's the only time they will ever bother you if you're blocking their entrance yeah. on the way home. Yeah. So they're not like wasps become terrorists at certain times of year. No, hunting kids down with apples and sugar yeah, in the hand. Yeah. 
they're totally different beasts, and that's what I was trying to explain to him that you know. There's not a lot to worry about with bees. It's good for kids, though, because you, you sort of learn how to move around bees. There's a lovely old guy called Barry. He used to be the postmaster in a village up the road. And Barry's a lovely man, but he's very quietly spoken and he's very cut. And everything, his movements are all considered. And he, he, he has a laugh and he chats away, but it's all it's sort of hushed tones. And, and that's really coming out of working with the bees and knowing to be, it's calming, have you found working with bees to be calming? Yeah, well, I've, I've got better with it as well. And then one of the tips I picked up, I once read this amazing book called The uh, Shamanic Way of the Bee. I don't know if you ever heard of it by no. Simon Burroughs. One of the tips I picked up from this book was you no know, talking to your bees and what he used to do. And I tell all beekeepers this, they must, and a lot of them look at me like I'm completely mad. <laughs> but if you get a, a big cauldron and you put a nail in it, you know, the metal cauldrons with the holes yeah. what you wash your veg in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you spin it around. And they love that metallic noise, that as it's spinning round. And the bees come out, you know, to investigate the noise, and you can get them almost flying round in little circles in front of you. And what I do now is I talk to them, I hum like a big and I actually tell them why I'm going into the hive. And what I'm going for, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, well, don't, I, I don't I, think that sounds mad at all because I did the sieve with the nail. I've never heard that before. But talking to animals is really important. I do if I go in with the pigs. I'm always like, "Morning, how are you? Hello, lovelies, how are you getting on?" Because you communicate, and they obviously they don't necessarily understand every word, but it's the sound of your voice. You're not just charging in. And with your beekeeping. Do you, obviously you've got your honey, do you use any of the wax? Do you use any of the propolis? Or do you actually use the honey, not just as honey? Do you ever make any mead or anything like that? Because I keep bees, I've got uh, several partners who I keep bees with. Yeah. My best honey is actually in uh, near Ponty Dower, up on uh, some common land. We, we keep our bees up there. Yeah. And they make the best honey. The women I keep them with, they're quite hip, and they do all sorts of different stuff with the produce, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, making creams. They do all sorts of it, candles. All the cosmetics, all that sort cosmetics, of stuff. Cosmetics, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do all different types of stuff with the produce. Yeah. I'm just a honey monster. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in it for the produce, you know what I mean? I just love honey. There is something lovely about honey. But, uh, the gold medallions. I love picking the gold medallions out for people and no feeding them to people when they come along i love doing that there is something really rewarding when you get the honeycomb and you have that bite of natural honey where it's got the the wax cells around it whatever it is and and it's i don't know it's something primeval you know it's such a strange thing and i collected honey in nepal once off those cliff edges and stuff and and you can see why they do it because you know early man must have you know gone into wild bee nests and taken honey out because it's like an instant hit that sweetness is truly incredible yeah the sweetness yeah yeah and, and you know you can see why they would go through such no pain and efforts to get. And what I found is the more you've been stung, as I get stung over the years, you become sort of immune to the sting yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. It's good for it's good for arthritis apparently. It's good for arthritis. Yeah. But right, one of my first ever harvests what I ever done. The mistake I made was leaving my sip open on my pants. <laughs> 
And because uh, it was my first half, I invited loads of people down. So I had people like sat watching me take my first half, said, and I left my sip open on my flies. And the dog, but they waited. Not only did they just get one in there, they waited till a gang got in there, and then they attached. You know what I mean? <laughs> How many times did they sting you? Quite a lot of time. The worst stinging I've ever had is I once took my jeans into me, my socks into my jeans, a yellow polka dot socks on. Yeah. This is in my early days of beekeeping. Yeah. And I got stung on both ankles around the yellow polka dots so many times. It like must have been in the hundreds. And I couldn't actually walk for nearly a week with swollen ankles. <laughs> <laughs> but when they got in your pants, what I mean, did they just go for the meat and veg or what did they do? Yeah, no, straight for the meat and veg. I stood it up screen like a bit, bit slightly high pitch and you're uh, just like trying to not to slap him too hard because you didn't want to you know, cause yourself any damage. Wow, I mean, the price you pay for good honey, I mean, it is incredible, isn't it? I mean, what advice would you give to anyone that wanted to start? beekeeping because it's becoming more and more popular i'd read about it first i bought my eye my first hive. i bought it for 50 pound believe it or not yeah and they had welsh black bees there was as well you know native bees yeah it was quite feisty had a really feisty queen as well what was extremely violent and since then i found no through reading and educate myself I know how to deal with a, a feisty hive now, you know what I mean? It's down to the queen and the pheromones, what they're producing. But at the time, I put up with this feisty queen for bloody quite a long time and got some <laughs> horrific stingings from it and attacked by the bees. And now that would never happen to me because I know what to do and how to deal with it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, my advice would read on the subject. And you can, and a lot of people go for lessons now, but I, I just jumped in there feet first and, and yeah. learnt the hard way, you know what I mean? If you're going to a farmer's market and you're buying some honey off a beekeeper, you can often say, I'm interested in starting. Could I come around and just help collect some honey or learn some of the skills that way? Yeah, you, know, you could do it that way and there's a lot of courses you can go on now you know beekeeping courses organized yeah. ones where you can go and learn what to do properly and i wish i'd took that route instead of the route i took you know what i mean i went about it completely the wrong way but yeah i, I recommend you know uh getting knowledge first you know what i mean and, yeah. under, and get a basic understanding of beekeeping rather than yeah, doing absolutely. it the way what i did but i i loved it the way i did it because I, like i said i, I bought the eye for 50 quid off somebody and, and that yeah. was like unbelievable in itself you know what I mean the best book I've ever read on beekeeping is the, this one by Simon Burroughs The Shamanic Way of the Bee and I think in Britain uh, round here where I lived is one of the few temples dedicated to bees in the country I think there's only four in the country you no know, t- uh, temples dedicated to bees wow I never knew that that's incredible. So, yeah. that, and also, you think sort of our early civilizations, you know, when we weren't sort of dominated by Christianity and we had druids and the like, that bees would have been really important and we would have, you know, respected them a lot more than we do today. And if you think, like, you know, there's estimates like 35% of our food is pollinated by bees, and it's like, what is it? I've got a figure here 1.8 billion pounds a year. That's what they mean 
to farmers in terms of pollinating crops. You know, yeah. but yet we don't really think of them. It's coming a bit more in our society that how important they are, but we don't really rank them as, no. as that important. Yeah, and in the old days, honey used to be more valuable than gold. You could actually pay your taxes with honey wow, as well, incredible. you know, going, going back in times gone by. Could you imagine trying to do that now? Nipping oh, down no, with yeah, a, yeah, a, a yeah. Couple yeah. Of jars of jars of honey for your tax and your VAC. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to do that. That'd be brilliant. And, and tell me, because you're super busy, are you touring again now? Well, we've just done a little tour with James, which was great, which is a, an, another old factory band yeah. back from the Tony Wilson days, you know what I mean? And that was really nice. Catching up with, with well, Sims, it was lovely to catch up with old friends who I've not seen for a while. And it was an amazing band as well. I, I watched James and I couldn't believe how brilliant he was, you know what I mean? It was a great band. Yeah, we, we're still going. We've been going now. God, I think it I think it might be like something like 38 years. We've got a big tour coming up. Hopefully, fingers crossed, if you no, know, we can go ahead and do it with all everything what's happening yeah. again with the COVID thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that it will go ahead. I, I want to just, before we sort of finish our lovely chat, I want to talk to you about something that I've heard about your bees. Am I right in thinking you've got some sort of Viagra honey? <laughs> no, that's what I've, I have said that, yeah, yeah. You know what, because where, where I keep the bees in the Ponte Dower, like I said, we've got, they're in 15 acres of common land. Yeah. But also we have uh, sycamore trees, and I've heard it's the sycamore pollen what has that effect on your genital area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's any truth on it. <laughs> but uh, have you seen them pollen cards you can get, and you can see what pollen they're collecting? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, you can see by the colour of the pollen. The... And I think it may be the sycamore. Right. What affects your manhood area, you know what I mean? But, I mean, that shows you how important honey is, not only in terms of sweet and delicious, <laughs> but it can sort you out in all sorts of areas. So this Viagra honey, have you actually have you made any Viagra honey? Have you got any? Well, I've got some in where I keep my bees, but yeah. honestly, the honey there, I don't know what it is. When I'm harvesting the honey, I'm like... I'm gorging on it as yeah. I'm harvesting, you know what I mean? But it's funny that, yeah, those answers to things is like in nature. I, I met a forager once that he always tapped the sap in early spring of silver birch. And he said, he said, drink some of this, Jim. You take a drink of it, of the sap, and you suddenly feel really like lightheaded and, and you know, like you're invigorated. A, 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 yeah, invigorated. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, said yeah. to me, he said, that's because you're drinking the power of the tree, this the surge of spring coming through. And he said, every time he drunk it, he said, I would have, I'd end up having more kids. So I, I spat yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it out immediately because I've got four kids already. I don't, I don't, I don't need any more. Yeah, yeah. I've actually drank the birch sap. Have you ever drank it, the birch yeah, sap? Yeah, yeah. I had that yeah, yeah. the birch sap wine it's delicious yeah delicious yeah yeah it is incredible but do you know what I'm intrigued with this Viagra honey I'll have to get you a jar over to you get me a jar well listen Bez it's been a real pleasure and it's brilliant it's brilliant to understand your passion for it it's it's inspirational so thanks so much but <laughs> <laughs> you take care alright Jimmy lovely talking see you mate ok mate so, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I just could talk to Anne forever. She is such an encyclopedic knowledge when it comes to beekeeping. 
And if you want to find out more about how you can get into beekeeping, go to the British Beekeepers Association website. There's loads of information on there, how to find your local clubs, you know, where to get hives from, all that kind of stuff. And also, massive thanks to Bez. What a wonderful man. You know, his stories just had me howling. I mean, his stories about being stung, but, but the whole Viagra honey, I still, I'm still not clear if you've got to eat it or rub it on. But listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, leave comments. It really helps other people find the podcast. And I'll see you guys all again for another episode of On Jimmy's Farm. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 